Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Feckin' Metal. I am your host, Fergal Trainer. So, no episode last week. Apologies about that. I did say I was going to try and stick to every Friday or late Friday night slash early Saturday morning as the Tony Martin episode was released. But as a replacement for an episode on Friday slash Saturday, I have a very special episode of Feckin' Metal today on Monday, the 1st of February, 2022. And that is about Neil Young and the recent news story that you probably couldn't have missed, even if you tried, about Joe Rogan and Neil Young and Neil Young's ultimatum to Spotify to say, you either get rid of him from your platform or you lose me. You can have Young or you can have Rogan, but you can't have both. Now, you might think, well, Neil Young isn't very heavy metal. Why are you featuring him as a topic on your heavy metal podcast? Well, to me, Neil Young embodies hard rock and the spirit of hard rock. I'd say at least 50% of his albums could be classified as such. A lot of them are classified as proto-grunge or grunge, uh, the actual genre itself, if you look at the likes of Ragged Glory or Mirrorball. Um, and you've got those hard rocking albums from the 1970s, Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere, Zuma, and various others in the 1990s as well, which went on to inspire a lot of hard rock and heavy metal artists. So for the purposes of this podcast, Neil Young fits the bill. Similar to my Judas Priest episode I did a few weeks ago, I contacted some people uh, with very short notice and asked them to participate in a podcast conversation about something in the news currently. This is something that I would like to do, as I said, a bit more of. So if there's something that really piques my interest, I'm going to try and pull together some of these episodes uh, with people. If if it's interesting enough to me to warrant doing an episode about, that's what I said at the end of the Judas Priest one. Um, to me, there is a lot of crossover in fans of heavy metal and Neil Young. Many people I know and, and speak to a lot are fans of both uh, like heavy metal bands and, and Neil Young as well. Like There's a lot of a similar attitude in um, the DIY aspect of creating music. They're not selling out. Well, you might say he sold out now some of his values. Um, that type of thing. A lot of crossover in attitude. Some crosso- crossover in the actual music itself. And plenty of crossover in the fans. So with all of that justification out of the way, I pulled together... Somebody you should know very well, Nesbitt from Talking Maiden, and Philip from my Arc Sabbath series as well, to have a discussion with me about the recent news about Neil Young and his ultimatum to Spotify recently. And here it is. Thanks for joining. So I have Nesbitt, who should be familiar to you all if you've been listening to Feckin' Metal, but he also hosted Talking Maiden, which is on hiatus, and uh, the Night Demon Heavy Metal podcast, which is current podcast still, and then Philip, who appeared on a few episodes of Arc Sabbath. Um, so welcome to both of you, and thanks for joining at short notice again. Well, again for you, Nesbitt, but also thank you, Philip, for joining at short notice. Thanks for having me. Hey, back again. Okay, so this is an episode of Feckin' Metal, but we're going to talk about Neil Young, who isn't really heavy metal, but you know what? It doesn't fucking matter because, you know, I'd say at least 50% of his albums are probably heavy rock or hard rock and that's good enough for me it's close enough and actually i I was looking at the the genre breakdown of some of his albums there recently a lot of it's described as proto grunge some of them even described as grunge so if i mean if that's close enough to heavy metal for my liking um also it's my podcast so i can do whatever the hell i want so (laughs) um so this is about what was in the news recently and everybody seems to be talking about this it's even broken through into like a lot of different mainstream media outlets uh it was reported on quite a lot last week um where neil young basically gave spotify an ultimatum he had issues with joe rogan the podcaster probably the most famous podcaster in the world i'd say um for what neil claimed was spreading misinformation 
uh, or fake information about vaccines, which he said in his own words, potentially causing death to those who believe in the disinformation being spread by them. Please act on this immediately today and keep me informed of the time schedule. So he basically says to Spotify, you can have Rogan or you can have Young, but you can't have both. So I've actually been chatting to both of you about this separately. But Nesbitt, what is your immediate take on that? Neil Young giving Spotify an ultimatum about his music. Well, okay, so I'm a fan of Neil Young. So just to let everybody know, I have a bunch of Neil Young albums. Um, When you walk in the front door of my house, I have a Neil Young tour poster framed in the front hall. So I would consider myself a fan. I like, you know, Um, I'm also a big fan of Joe Rogan. So I've been listening to his podcast since since 2010. So thousands of hours I've listened. So I started listening when the episodes were in like single digits. And now there's like 1700 and something. Yeah. So I think I'm qualified to talk about Joe Rogan's podcast compared to a lot of his critics who I think probably haven't never listened to a full episode of his podcast. Um, You know, so I've listened to almost every episode for years until he moved to Spotify. Um, But I basically I'm one of those people that's signed up for Spotify because Joe Rogan. I signed up for a paid subscription to Spotify because Joe Rogan moved there. Okay. Um, And also... Well, also the the I was using Google Music and they shut that down, so I had to go somewhere. But that he's part of the reason that I signed up. Um, but Spotify is I just found it to be a terrible platform to listen to podcasts. So I kind of got out of listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. I kind of check it every couple of weeks now, and I'll like binge listen two or three episodes. So I'm a fan of Joe Rogan, a fan of Neil Young. Um, I think Neil Young is completely completely in the wrong here. Interesting. Okay, I'm just going to go to you, Philip, and see what your initial thoughts are. And maybe give us your, your background with Neil Young and Joe Rogan as well. Sure, why not? Um, yes. So I'm a huge Neil Young fan. I would say he factors in my top 10 favorite artists of all time. I have every record, every CD, multiple copies probably of most albums. I have a stack of books that could you know, be the foundation for a house and so on and so <laughs> forth. I probably have an emotional memory attached to most of his songs, even the weird ones. Yeah. Um, that being said, I kind of fell out with Neil about eight, nine years ago, where I felt he started making music that just wasn't speaking to anymore. It's about around the time he and, and, and Peggy Young split and he took up with Daryl Hannah. Mm. I just felt the music went directions I didn't care for anymore. Um, yeah. But apart from that, Neil Young is to me, you know, one of the most important songwriters uh, as far as my, you know, my for my life, for myself as a music fan. Uh, Joe Rogan, I remember listening to a couple of episodes, but I am not a fan, and it, I just was never interested. The kind of commentary or interviews he did just wasn't something uh, that I gravitated towards. And then later, I started questioning some of the guests. Um, mm. It was a bit of an everything goes, and I do get some... I, I do get quite a bit of uh, social anxiety when I when I spend too much time around politics and 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 and, and social discussions online. It can stress yeah. me out a little bit. So so I try to to skirt away from that. Okay, um, that's fair enough. So yeah. Nesbit. You mentioned, uh, I'll just, just my own background, I've been listening to Neil Young for like, I don't know, 20 odd years, longer than that. And like Philip, he'd be one of my favorite recording artists. I've listened to a handful of Joe Rogan episodes, but he's not somebody I would gravitate towards as a host. Um, as a podcaster, I find the episodes quite long. I find his style 
is something I'm not a big fan of. And I find sometimes when he has interesting guests, he kind of ruins it a bit by his own personality, um, which I don't like. So I'm not a massive fan of, of <laughs> Joe Rogan. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I understand his popularity. I was just looking into it a bit. Like, I mean, it's estimated that his, his episodes have 11 million listeners on average each. So that's quite a lot. Um, yeah, he's getting over, I think it's over 200 million downloads a month. So I think he's probably, he might be the biggest podcast on the go right now. I think he must be. Yeah. Like he's certainly the most famous. If you ask the, the man on the street to name maybe one podcast, I'd say that is going to be the person whose name is mentioned, even if they don't know the exact name of the show, I'd say it would be him. But um, you listened to the actual podcast in question, which was released a few, I'm not sure if it was in the last couple of weeks, but there was a doctor on who was discussing um, coronavirus. And I don't want to get too political or anything like that, or like, where you stand on masks and vaccines necessarily. But this guy had some claims on the episode, which was about three hours long, and I didn't listen to it. But he basically, uh, he, this was the straw that broke the camel's back with Neil Young. So from somebody who actually listened to the episode in question, what did you take from that? And and do you think Neil had a point at all with with anything that he said since? Yeah, well... It's one of those things where if you listen to a three hour conversation with someone and I wasn't sitting there with like a notepad, I just kind of had it on the background. I was actually uh, probably doing work and had it on in the background, mm. but I didn't hear anything that was like, I mean, the guy's, a, he's very like, he's completely against vaccinating children, yeah. which I guess he kind of has a point there. Maybe you could argue um, he's very, actually very qualified to talk about, you know, vaccines he's like worked his whole life in like mrna vaccines and stuff um i can't speak to the truth of anything he said um but i think the main problem with the whole thing is like i have noticed that joe rogan in the last maybe year or two has been getting more and more into this like talking about this kind of stuff which he never used to Mm. it seems like uh but I guess maybe the whole world is kind of obsessed with coronavirus now and talking about stuff like that. But it kind of went from when it started, it was Joe with his friends basically smoking weed and joking around and talking about aliens and stupid bullshit on his podcast. And then I guess all of a sudden there's this, it got more and more popular. And then with that comes more of a spotlight. And I mean, we said there's 200 million people a month listening to his podcast and he kind of, I guess when you're just joking around and talking bullshit, it's one thing when you have like a small listener base, but when you have that many people paying attention to you, all of a sudden there's that much more importance on you, what you say. And, he, and I don't know, I always found him to be pretty balanced though. Cause I mean, I mean, he questions everything. He had a TV show actually, Joe Rogan used to have a TV show called Joe Rogan questions everything. And I mean, that's basically what he does. He'll have people on, he has comedians, scientists, hunters, politicians, I mean, he had a vegan activist on and then the very next week had this guy, Chris Cresser, who's like talking about the how dangerous a vegan diet is. And then he had them both on together to, you know, Mm. after that to debate. He had Bernie Sanders, you know, he had, you know, he has all kinds of people on. He just gives a platform to whoever lets them talk. And a lot of times he'll like push back against them and stuff. But it's a question on if you think you should have a podcast where anybody gets a platform and let. You know, should you let people just say whatever they want and then like criticize it or should you silence people? And I think Neil Young thinks we should silence people. And I don't so, agree with that. 
this is the interesting point. So let's just uh, clarify. It's Dr. Robert Malone is the person who was right. on the episode back in uh, December of 2021. Um, and Dr. Malone has close to 100 peer-reviewed publications which have been cited over 12,000 times since January 2020. Malone has been a leading uh, a large team of focused on clinical research, design, drug development, computer modeling mechanisms, blah, blah, blah. So, and uh, he helped develop the mRNA uh, vaccines uh nine original mRNA vaccine patents. So yeah, like you said, he's qualified certainly to talk. And then it begs the question then, is Joe Rogan qualified to speak to these medical experts? Does having the largest and best known podcast in the world um, make you, uh, like, does it warrant you having such guests on a podcast just because you're famous and you have the platform? Do you, is there a responsibility attached to that? And you've said, Neil Young, thinks maybe we should silence people. I'd be interested in your thoughts on that, Philip. Do you think, one, Neil Young was trying to silence people, and two, does Spotify have a responsibility to its listeners to kind of regulate Joe Rogan's podcast? I don't honestly think this is a free speech issue, and I don't think Neil Young wanted to silence Joe Rogan. I don't honestly even think Neil Young listened to that podcast or knows probably too much about it. We know Neil Young. If you follow Neil Young as long as we all probably have, you know he's a little ornery old cantankerous fucker. Um, <laughs> yeah, who, yeah. who will? And he likes pissing people off. And he likes to. Here's the thing: Neil Young is one of the great songwriters of our time. He's wealthy beyond you know measures that we can comprehend. Um, he doesn't really need. He doesn't need to be on Spotify. He doesn't really have to, he doesn't have to concern himself with what people think of him if he's in the news and, and if he makes a fool of himself or if he says something, he'll say, you know, antagonistic stuff. He has many times. He's probably pissed off all of his friends multiple times. So personally, I think this is just another little thing of Neil being Neil. And it, because of the way media works now, clickbait, instant headlines, if you don't get in now, and come up mm. with uh, you know something that will draw people to click and oh my god look what he said the outrage culture that we're in now then you kind of lose the story so you have to push this out as more than it is and I I was actually surprised how much this blew up and um, yeah I don't really I, I for me the analogy I, I saw a friend posted this uh, the analogy is more like Neil was at a party and Joe Rogan was at the same party and Joe Rogan was being loud and and Neil felt. Joe was being obnoxious and he said, well, either you kick Joe out of the party or I'm leaving. And, you know, mm. they said, well, see you, Neil, have a good, you know, have a good rest of your evening. And so he left. Yeah. I think, I don't really think there's a, 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 um, censorship angle to this so much as it's either me or him. And if it's him, fine, then I'm gone. Mm. But don't you think it would have been better if instead of saying like, kick Joe Rogan off Spotify, or I'm going to pull my stuff off Spotify. Like I would have thought Neil Young, he, what he should have done is like demand to a, be on you know, Joe Rogan's podcast. If he feels so strongly about it, talk to him for a couple hours. I discussed this with my wife actually. And I feel what Neil should have done is just be like, Oh, I, I'm not into this. I'm just going to pull my music off Spotify and not tell anyone if someone asks, we can do a press release or put it on his archives. Uh, right. Sorry, we're not on Spotify anymore. But so, this, to make a big spectacle out of it was kind of unnecessary. So that's something else I wanted to ask both of you guys is, do you think that this whole thing, because in case people don't know, 
Neil Young has his own streaming service, right? The yep. Neil Young Archives. I mean, he pulling his music off Spotify, he's going to drive people to that. And I'm surprised that his announcement of coming off Spotify wasn't, you know, at the end, there wasn't a little ad for go to Neil Young's archives <laughs> if you keep on listening to my music. Because there's like three kinds of Neil Young fans. There's like, well, I don't know. This is off the top of my head. But there's the hardcore people like you. You're going to buy everything. You guys probably already subscribed to Neil Young archives. I don't know. Um, you're already spending money. You're buying stuff. You're a Neil Young fan. He's not worried about you guys. You have the ca- casual fan like me who like, you know, I got half a dozen albums, vinyl albums. I'll go see him in concert. But if he's not on Spotify, I'll find something else to listen to. You know what I mean? Mm. And mm. then the rest of the people don't really know who he is. Mm. All the young people that are into whatever young people are listening to now. Yeah, the kids these days. So it's it's there's no downside to him pulling from Spotify. I think he might just get a few more of those like 49 or 99 or 1999 a year subscriptions to his you know right so let's service and also he doesn't own all the rights to all of his music so how much money is he making off spotify no he doesn't he sold 50 percent of the rights actually which is something i want to get back to but before we do uh i was chatting to you in in, on whatsapp about this and we did a bit of a crass kind of calculation about uh how much money he might be losing as a result of this so you had found a figure online and there there are kind of figures that um contradict one another but let's just take this one as being realistic because i've seen higher anyway so this is one of the lower end ones more conservative that one million streams will get you three thousand three hundred dollars from spotify uh, so I said, right. So he gets six million. Uh, he has six million listeners, which means that's unique people. Six million of them listen to him each month, assuming they pay. They play ten Neil Young songs each a month, which I think again is conservative. Uh, multiplied by twelve months, um, that's going to be two point two million dollars per year gross that Neil Young would receive from Spotify based on those conservative estimates um, and figures that are kind of pulled off the internet. But I don't know if the actual concrete data is out there. So we just have to use what's available, but um, it's still a decent chunk of money. Like it, like he's, he's doing 20, $20 a year. You get an annual subscription to his service, but he's going to need like a hundred thousand people to switch over just to get that 2 million back. That's the gross figure of course. And it's based on conservative estimates. But I also think Neil Young is not the type of guy that's going to crunch money and be like, you know, he's he's I think that's the least of his concerns is no. losing money from. I mean, taking a stand over something like this, I think to Neil Young would be more important than two point two million dollars a year when you're worth like two hundred million. That's that's a fair point. So it brings me back to the point which I wanted to bring up, which was that he sold half of his catalog and the people who paid him one hundred and fifty million certainly care about crunching numbers and st- uh, statistics and data and all that type of stuff. Because why invest in a music catalog if not for future gain, a monetary gain? So I think it's interesting that he was even able to pull the music off, uh, seeing as he doesn't own 50 percent of it anymore. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's a good question. And I wonder what the what the. Uh you know, the ins and outs are of that deal. I mean, he made another statement. Thank you to Warner Brothers Music for helping facilitate this, you know, removal from Spotify swiftly. Um, I'm sure, and again, we can only speculate that there are, you know, some some clauses in, in the rights issue to his songs where he mm. still has some power at this point. And I mean, 50% of his catalog, I don't even know how many songs that are. It would probably just encompass most of the regular studio albums um but we know that neil is so much more and for fans like us who and i know fergal you're kind of in the same boat we don't really care about his new music Mm. his recent record was just kind of eh. 
but it's the archival releases that keep coming. The old concerts, the old forgotten records. Oh, here, I have a record from 87 that yeah. I never released, which is just called Out of Christmas. So, That's what we're really here for. Yeah, the way it's described online is that uh, he has 1,180 songs in his catalog and Hypnosis Songs Fund have spent $150 million and they own 50% of that entire catalog. So I, just, I think that covers everything, archival and otherwise, because 1,180 songs, if you're talking about 10 songs per album, that's 110 albums. So that sounds about right. Archival and okay. and what have you. Yeah. And he, but it, it's interesting to me that he can just go, I'm pulling this off. Like he's on Reprise, which I think is a sub-label in Warner, like he said. And he can just take that off Spotify. Now he's like, he's getting 6 million listeners per month. That's hardly, you know, like whatever the kids are listening to these days. I don't know. Fucking... Uh, I can't think of any musicians. <laughs> Drake or somebody, right? It's not, it's, it's not Drake numbers, but it's like, uh, it's decent. It's it's better than your, you know, your um, up and coming rock band, let's say, that has a few albums out. So he's a big artist. And now you have the likes of Joni Mitchell as well, who has decided to join him in this. Joni Mitchell decided to pull her music from Spotify. And at the moment, all I can see are a couple of uh, 80s albums and more recent albums are remaining. So it appears most of her classic material is gone. And only just very recently, Graham Nash, his partner in Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, uh, has decided to pull his mu- music from Spotify as well. So you, you might say this is a lot of bluster from Neil Young and he doesn't care about the money and or maybe it's not that big a deal to Spotify to lose Neil Young, but is it a big deal to lose Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, Graham Nash, and whoever the hell else decides to join in this? I think it's a big deal to, like a a bit of a big deal to lose Neil Young, but you can throw those other names in it and it doesn't change anything. If they could get another big, like if a Pearl Jam or a band like that, that's also very like, I could see a band like that who are kind of, involved in speaking out about politics and stuff like that i could see if they jumped on then i think you're being for a huge deal yeah and a pearl jam is actually one that would be quite likely to to do that obviously we know they're close friends they even recorded an album with neil young in 95 um yeah i'm just looking at pearl jam here so they get 10 and a half million monthly listeners so it's kind of further much further up like uh far ahead of neil young um but then like other people have come out and said maybe this is just a publicity stunt for his streaming service. He once pulled his music from Spotify before, back in the mid-2010s, and he's never really had a comfortable relationship with streaming services um, or low-res music, low-resolution music. Any thoughts on that? Uh, he's an audiophile, and and that's been a big thing for him. And I mean, oftentimes, and I can notice this myself, the, the quality on Spotify can be quite shit. Hmm. Uh you can listen to stuff and it sounds fine. You can listen to stuff and it sounds terrible. I don't know how that is uh, balanced or uploaded. Um, I don't really think the archives are appealing to the broad public. I mean, that's really just for, for the fans, for the people who have been into Neil Young forever. I mean, I don't think you'll get a lot of young people signing up for the archives, even though it's a great deal. I mean, because he has such a large body of music, $20 a year, uh, for the archives where you get a lot of cool stuff you get bootleg concerts you get you know you get video content it, so it's, i was you guys are members because i looked up the new young archives and there's the three tiers there's the the regular 1999 tier and it looked to me from what I, I didn't sign up i just read the description it looked like you just get the studio albums for that and it's the 49.99 tier or the 39 
The forty or fifty dollar one where you get the live archives, and then ninety nine is like a something else. I'm not actually it's a, a member. Little... I, I'll admit. Uh, okay. Because I I was used to listen to Neil Young on Spotify up until two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> so would this drive you um, to the Neil Young archives for nineteen ninety nine a year? It depends. So I I think I remember that nineteen ninety nine offer being an introductory price for early adapters or early adopters. What well, I never know exactly what that phrase is, but um, I think what you get for nineteen ninety nine now, Nesbitt, like what you're saying, might be a bit different to what you used to get. I don't know when you signed up, Philip, but I think people who signed up early on get more for their twenty dollars than somebody like me who might sign up now. And I'd have to investigate that. It would it would somewhat tempt me because I do listen to Neil Young a lot. Every year for the past five or six years on Spotify, he's been in my top played artist, sometimes my top artist. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big loss to me not to be able to switch on, you know, on the beach whenever the hell I want without having to kind of put it on my phone or whatever, or join another streaming service. Uh, so yeah, it is a huge loss to me. And I suppose I haven't felt that the... the the extent of that loss yet because it's only been about a week but it will eventually affect me because i go through spells every year of listening to like almost exclusively neil young for like a month or so at least um so, <clears throat> so yeah i don't know i'd say I'll, i will have a, a think about signing up to his archives but the number of subscription services i'm signed up to at the moment is ridiculous and i certainly don't need any more so i'll have a long hard think about that Maybe you can call some of the other ones. I mean, it really depends. When I signed up, you got all the music that's officially released. That includes the studio albums, all the archival releases, the Neil Young archives, one and two, soon to be number three, which is supposed to come out this year. Um, but you would also get um, concert of the week. So every mm-hmm. week that he'd upload some new concert could be from 1987, 72, or from 2013. It yeah. would just depend. Then he launched recently the bootleg series where fans could write in and request that a concert they were at or that they want to hear would be uploaded. And uh, I think the first one of these actually already came out as a record. He's going to release those two. It was the, um, this is the last one. It wasn't Massey Hall. It wasn't another Massey Hall. It was a, it was a yellow cover. It was actually quite spectacular. Carnegie was Hall, was it? Carnegie Hall. There we go. Yeah. And, um, the tiers have changed. So originally there was just one tier. And I think then it went to two tiers where you could buy, you, you could buy in for the forty nine ninety nine and mm. the rust tier, for like 99, whatever that means. Mm. So I have not myself, because my subscription doesn't run out till March. I haven't really investigated all yeah. of them. I know for the $20 a year, you, you get most everything, not the stuff that's really just for the diehards. Mm. So, you know, I still think it's a fair deal. I mean, I spend $20 on much more stupid shit all yeah. the time. Yeah, it seems like a really good deal to me. Like, and if I was this, as big of a fan as you were, like if this, if Iron Maiden right. did the same thing, I would, I'd pay $19.99 a month, we maybe. We could only hope. <laughs> and I got to throw out there, the platform is really quite spectacular. The way mm. it's set up, you know, with the little filing cabinet, all the information you can get, you can click on a song, you can find the video, it says when it was written, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you do get a lot for your for your yeah. money. I've had a I've had a look through it like virtually on on my desktop PC and it does look great. And one thing I think is great about Neil Young is actually he's done such a good job of maintaining and preserving his own history. Like how did he have the foresight in nineteen seventy to hold on to the original lyrics of After the Gold Rush and that type of stuff? Like, it's just mental the the level of detail and the the amount of video footage from primitive times and then the amount of audio 
a high resolution audio that he has just hanging around. Like it's it's as if he had this planned all along, which I think is a great thing. And it makes his offering more attractive than if maybe other bands who weren't as good at maintaining their own history were decided going to decide to branch out and do this. And it, what, what, what I was thinking of, though, is does it maybe help start a revolution of people or maybe a revolution in thinking where everyone's going to be like, actually, if you want our music, you have to sign up to us specifically. A lot of things have already gone like that, like in television and stuff. Could you see music going like that? What artists are going to just dictate um, how you listen to them? Well, I'm doing the Night Demon heavy metal podcast and Night Demon's doing something similar right now where it's a subscription yeah. service and you get access to like archived live stuff. Um, every episode of the podcast, you know, if we're talking about a certain song, you can get all the demos of the song. You can get the the, the isolated tracks. You know, if you're really into that band, it's, yeah. it's in a lot of value for what you're getting. Um, and I, I mean, I could see a lot of other bands doing that. You know what I mean? Mm. It has to be, you'd have to have a bigger catalog, though. And I mean, Night yeah. Demon have been very prolific. But I mean, Neil Young can do it because he has over a thousand songs. Iron Maiden right. can do it. Uh, bands like that, Legacy Acts. But, you know, young little upstarts, they have nowhere to go. They can't. Oh, here's our, you know, three albums and two demos. Um, maybe there'll be record labels who will start, you know, taking certain bands together or their catalogs. But then again, yeah, but you have bands that have jumped you know, three, four, five labels in their in their time. Mm. Um, so there'll be a rights issue. Who owns the rights to have this? Yeah, yeah, that would be a headache if you have to subscribe to multiple services to get multiple albums from different bands because they're owned by different. That'd be a nightmare. It is. It's a weird. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it makes me but, like I mean, buying vinyl albums more and more. <laughs> going going back to the original point when when this all started blowing up last, I think mean, it was maybe Friday. Whenever we started texting, uh, the first thought that came to mind was a, a maiden a to z thought it was uh i wanted to tell neil this was maybe ill-advised yeah. and um now i'm like well it seems to be working for him i just what what bugs me a bit is the outrage culture that we live in now it's immediately censorship free speech neil wants to shut down joe rogan he wants to censor him. What happened to rocking in a free world? And, and everything's so heavily politicized now in our, in our you know, mm. uh, this day and age that it's hard to have any, you know, normal conversations like we're having now about this where you could say, well, hey, Neil, would you think this was a good idea? And then some people intimated maybe it was Daryl Hannah, his now spouse. I don't know if they're married or just... You she know. is. She's become the the Sharon Osbourne character in all of this. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but she's more of an activist. You know, yeah. she's kind of always out there protesting, doing this, that, and the other. And people are like, "Well, I'm sure it was Dan, Daryl Hannah, who told him to do this." She probably yeah. doesn't even know who Joe is. And I mean, could be. It is true what you're saying, though, because everyone's saying Neil Young is like a sellout now, or whatever. Well, a lot of people are, but I mean, it wasn't very long ago that Joe Rogan signed to spotify for 100 million and people were calling him a sellout because 40 spotify pulled 42 of his episodes down saying yep. they had unacceptable content and everyone was like if joe rogan goes along with this he's a sellout so they just you know everyone <laughs> loves to pile on people joe rogan yeah. was a sellout now neil young's a sellout it's always you know manufactured outrage at stupid bullshit <laughs> but you know I don't, I don't know where you could be calling neil young a sellout when he's taking 200 or 2 million off the table i know i think what they're saying is he's a sellout in that he used to be this anti-establishment, you know, right. free free speech, and they're kind of spinning it as a 
now he's yeah. trying to censor and silence people, which is, you know. It is funny because there's been some very good memes about it. Like one of them is when you're so woke, you, you cancel yourself, which I thought was quite a good one. And then there's uh, another one. Well, no, sorry, not even a meme. Like uh, it's Neil Young when he got together to play with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young for the last time in recent memory. They called the tour the Freedom of Speech Tour. And he was touring an album called Living With War, which itself was uh, critical about the government at the time, which was out in 2006. And it's funny because now he's been labeled as somebody who's advocating censorship that his whole selling point only a few years ago was freedom of speech. There are some contradictions to be found there, definitely. Yes. Whether or not you think he was censoring people with his views or his his ultimatum. Um, so I think it is... Hey, can like, I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. Isn't there a, that living with war album? Isn't there a lyric on there about never bowing to the thought police or something on one of those songs? I'm sure there probably is. Yes, something I can't remember about that how him, Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like something about... I can't remember something about... I can't remember the words. Something right. about like living in peace, but he'll never bow to the thought police or something like that. Yeah, it sounds like him. <laughs> right. But someone like Neil, who has so many uh, lyrics and words that he has put to songs, often just spur of the moment. I mean, the dude probably can't remember it all. And I mean, <laughs> remember in the, in the 80s, you had, he put out an album called Hawks and Doves. He yeah. was pro Reagan in the 80s. Um, this guy has, I mean, we all are contradictory at times in our lives. It's, it's part of the human condition. You can't not be, even I contradict myself. I like this, but I don't, I'm not, I don't like that. And I don't know why it's just how I feel, but you know, Neil has always been a very spur of the moment kind of guy. And it, you know, it's just going to happen. It's, it's, it's bound to happen that something that contradicts what he said 15, 20, 30 years ago. Mm. Yeah, I also found it funny that like I saw on a bunch of websites today that uh, they went through some old interview from 84 where he like used the F word to refer to gay people. Oh, and everyone's like saying, like, look what Lee Lee Young said. And I was like, now you're doing the exact same thing. Now you're trying to like cancel him for something he did ages ago. Like Mm. either you're for free speech or you're not like. Right. I'd say somebody was re- like spent hours and hours and hours looking for that and was de- absolutely de- delighted when they found it. I'm just looking at those <laughs> lyrics. Uh, um, I joined the multitudes. I raised my hand in peace. I never bowed to the laws of the thought police. <laughs> yeah, right. that's from the song uh, Living With War. Um, so, yeah, interesting. But the other thing is everyone's trying to frame this as a, a uh, like a Joe Rogan versus Neil Young, which is the way he framed it himself. He said, you can only have one. He basically pitted himself against Joe Rogan, mm. which I mean, he could have just like, like you said, pulled off his catalog and not and then answer questions afterwards. But I don't know. It's like he made it into a big deal, sort of. That's where I feel maybe a little bit the Daryl Hannah effect. You got to make this a spectacle. Right. And uh, raise your fist in protest against this guy. And again, I personally, my first instinct, Joe Rogan is like, nah, I don't like the guy. I find him too. I feel like people like Jordan Peterson on, and I just don't, I don't like these people. Just... Yeah. Well, he had Alex Jones on many times, which is yeah, like, he's a I mean, whack job, right? So, um, shit, where was my thought going? I don't remember. But anyways, oh. yeah, I think, I think there was too much of a spectacle, spectacle being made out of something that could have just been, hey, I don't want to be on the same platform as this guy. Uh, please take me off. Yeah. Um, and then you don't have to frame it as a as a free speech or censorship issue. It's just like Neil Young doesn't like Joe Rogan's 
output and he doesn't want to be on Spotify. And personally, I don't like Spotify either. I, I find, I find the whole modern era of streaming, um, to be highly, highly dubious and problematic. I mean, most artists who are on Spotify, they, they, you know, they're lucky to get a $48 check at the end of the month. If they get mm. a few thousand streams, I mean, it's ridiculous. I remember when I grew up, I paid, you know, $25 for a CD. You could buy like maybe two a month with, with the allowance you got. Yeah, exactly. um, and now, you know, everything is considered to be there for free. So, and plus the CEO of Spotify is a billionaire. So it's all a bit problematic. And if you're going to blame college kids for destroying the music industry, you're going to reveal yourself to be Gene Simmons in one second. I'm only joking. No, I, for the most part, I agree with everything you said there. But uh, do, you, do you know, Nesbitt, you were saying like you've listened to most of Joe Rogan's episodes since 2010 and he'll get on somebody and they'll have a strong opinion or view about something and he'll get on somebody the following week and they'll have the opposite. Do you think he really cares about finding a balanced view or is this just going to attract the most listeners? He always talks about just getting interesting people and he just likes, you know, I mean, this, yeah, Robert Malone guy, he's like, he got a little bit into like conspiracy, big pharma stuff, which is kind of like eye rolling. And mm-hmm. then, like I said, he had Alex Jones on who's like kind of a nutcase. But then, I mean, he always had, he had like, like I said, Bernie Sanders, he had Elon Musk. He has like a lot of like MMA fighters because where he was a commentator for yeah. UFC. He has a lot of uh, hunting. He's really into hunting. He has a lot of hunters and like survivalist outdoors people. Um, it, it just seems like there's no rhyme nor reason to the people that he's had on. And I don't know. I mean, no one's forcing anyone to listen to Joe Rogan. So he should be able to, I think, just platform whoever. And like, if you don't like, if you're scrolling through and you see the name of the guest, you don't have to listen. No one's forcing you to listen same as no one's forcing anyone to listen to Neil Young. I mean, they can both do what they want. I don't know why. I think the the main problem with this whole thing is that Neil Young pitted it and the way he worded it was like, you can choose Joe Rogan or me. And I think that's where all this like controversy came from. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I find the wording ill-advised. Yeah. Um, for sure. And yeah, maybe that's all it is. A poorly chosen phrase um okay yeah so do you think neil young is like old and out of touch and like he's 76 um that's almost 80 years old like it does like is does this make him look old and out of touch do you you think he cares or is he just as contrary as he's ever been i mean his his bloody newspaper on his website is called the daily contrarian i think he's contrary as ever i definitely think he's out of touch i mean most most musicians of that age and era are out of touch. I mean, even Iron Maiden are out of touch. We just just discussed this often. The bands they choose for their opening slots, they're all out of touch. Mm. And uh, yeah, I definitely think that factors in. Old man yells a cloud comes to mind. (laughs) Uh, It's a bloody shame. It it is funny that you mentioned that um, he has dipped in quality of of albums since he started going out with Daryl Hannah. And I had never made the connection but I was talking to you about it before, Philip, and when I actually did it, added it up, it kind of did kind of uh, line up. I was like, Jesus Christ, yes. That's when he started releasing everything. He, like, you know, like three three albums a year of stuff, like where, you know, maybe there was enough for one album on, on those three. Um, so, yeah, he seems sure. to have, his, his quality control seems to have dipped. Um, maybe his quality control of his opinions as well. <laughs> but uh, definitely what he releases musically. I mean, if he's in love with this woman and she 
has very strong opinions, he's going to be influenced by this. You know, if you're with someone, you have a partner, you're happy and you, you if they have very strong feelings about things, it's going to affect you. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that definitely had an effect on him and also in the quality control of his albums. But did you think he was trying to censor Joe Rogan or did you believe his statement when he said he is not an advocate of censorship? He never has been, but it is up to him to decide where he has his music um, available. Uh, Nesbitt, maybe I'll ask you that one. Well, I mean, you know, he's completely free to do whatever he wants. And I mean, I'm a Neil Young fan and a Joe Rogan fan. I happen to 100% side with Joe Rogan on this one. Mm. But uh, I mean, it doesn't make me dislike Neil Young's music any less. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, I'm oh, I'm firmly one of those people where like, I'm a fan of the music. You know, if you dig too deep into most of, you know, your classic rock stars lives, you're not going to like what you find. You know what I mean? Like I Led Zeppelin's probably one top three band for me. And I mean, there's a lot of shady stuff went on back in the day. <clears throat> if you listen to that too deep. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of underage activities yeah. <laughs> and actually i was only chatting to you philip the other day and we were saying uh, every rock star of a certain like vintage has a few skeletons in their closet and you don't really have to look too hard and you'll find someone i'm sure yeah right so this has no it doesn't change my opinion of neil young's music his albums are, you know i'm not one of those people that's going to be like i'll never listen to neil young again because mm. he you know what i mean like it's basically to rich people arguing online <laughs> and i don't know if they're actually <laughs> arguing i think the media is framing it and blowing it up into an argument yeah and again again this is the reason i think it would be amazing if neil young and joe rogan if they sat down and did a three-hour conversation mm. first of all i think they agree on 97 percent of the things that they talk about mm. you know what i mean like everyone says joe rogan's a far right person but he's like very moderate in most things he does have some right-leaning people as guests he pushes back against them a lot so like it's he's been kind of framed as that but i mean the two of them together i think would i think they're he like joe rogan said he's a huge neil young fan Mm. so i think the two of them would have a great conversation and i think by the time they had a conversation and talked it out after two or three hours yeah i mean i think this thing would just dissolve into a nothing and i think that's probably what it is it's like it's nothing but you know turned into clickbait sure philip any thoughts on that actually we might finish up there Uh I agree 100% with Nesbitt. I think that would be actually, I would listen to that. That'd be quite fun. Um, no, I don't, this is not changing my opinion on anything. I think this is a clickbait outrage culture spectacle for the news who need to generate some income with their clicks and silly headlines, no more, no less. Um, will it blow over? Will it have some impact on Spotify? Maybe it does. Spotify said they're going to add some disclaimers to mm. certain episodes if they maybe have controversial opinions in them Soda. which fair and fine i mean netflix does that it says you know it gives you trigger warnings and and i feel that's fair because there's people who don't want to watch certain things you mm. know um if if there's you know sexual violence in a in a in a show or in a movie or yeah. if there's alcohol abuse or drug stuff people want to be told that ahead of time in case they have you know their own uh, experiences so if you do that with a joe rogan episode say their controversial opinions on vaccine development and use mm. i think that's fine yeah i think it's fine if they say controversial this this controversial opinions but if they label it as misinformation i mean it's like joe rogan said like he came out recently and said like today's misinformation is like tomorrow's facts when it comes to a lot of covid stuff you know what I mean? Yeah, could be. And he's like, so yeah. can we not talk about this stuff? Are we not allowed to talk about it until we get the okay? Like, 
I'd rather hear people, you know, maybe they're half, you know, controversial and just talking about the stuff and having it out there rather than wait to see if, you know, when it gets the okay from Spotify, then we can talk about it. I mean, I have to, I'm doing an episode soon of the Night Demon song. They have a song called Visteria which is about like, it's like virus hysteria. Mm. And it's not really about like COVID. It's kind of about how like people in power will take advantage of an emergency and you know, how like all this masking and virtual stuff is kind of dehumanizing society. And I'm like, now when I do that episode, do I have to think in the back of my mind, like how am I going to, how much do I want to say about this? What am I going to say? Am I going to get tagged? What do I talk about? Can I mention vaccines? Can I mention lockdowns? Am I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, yeah. and it's, it's, it's kind of shitty when you have that in the back of your mind and you can't just like do an episode about something and put it out would see the thing is you can though because nobody is sitting there listening to them uh i i don't expect the only way you could do it is retrospectively oh well like the episode description would mention the topics that that are covered and i wonder if that would just get flagged and Mm. you know what i mean if it has the if i mention lockdown in the episode description if they're going to be like oh this is controversial this may contain misinformation and i'm like it's talking about a rock a metal song. Like, really? Yeah. Do we have to get into this? <laughs> I was just said they could use the uh, the Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion sticker where it said uh, <laughs> contains the content that some people might find objectionable and they can fuck <laughs> off and buy some from the New Age section. Yes, I remember <laughs> that from the time. Okay, look, that was, that's been a great chat. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a million for joining at short notice. Um, sure thing. Yes, I assume I'll, I'll chat to you about soon. All right, thanks. All right, sounds good. All right, so that was a very special episode of Feck and Metal. I hope you enjoyed it. That was an interesting one for me to do. These ad hoc episodes are exciting, uh, maybe somewhat stressful. I don't know if people are going to be able to do them, but when they are, it, it makes for an interesting conversation. I, I was having chats with Nesbitt and with Philip and others as well about this topic recently, so I said, why not pull them together and do a podcast about it? Um, so that was that. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back with a more traditional episode of Feck and Metal next time. I hope you allowed me the leeway of featuring Neil Young as a topic on a Feckin' Metal podcast. I've been your host, Fergal Trainer, and I will see you next time. <laughs>